Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. How y'all doing? Doing good? I tell you what, this is the best party in town on Saturday night, amen? I feel like God is doing something. <clears throat> I was sitting there earlier when worship first started, <clears throat> and I felt that uh, there was a healing anointing being released in the room. I'm not quite sure what that is, but there's something. I think it was two Saturdays ago, a lady with stage four cancer, she had tumors all over her chest. <clears throat> And um, Richie and I wound up praying for her. <laughs> and right there, as we were praying for her, those tumors disappeared. Those tumors disappeared. Now, she was feeling around her chest because I didn't see him. I'll be totally transparent. I didn't see him. Um, Richie's kind of a big guy, you know. I couldn't see around him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we were both praying, and tears just started rolling. She said, the ones in my throat, I can't feel them anymore. I don't feel them. And then she said, the, um, she said, the ones in my chest, I can't feel them anymore. I can't feel them <laughs> And she got so happy, she opened her blouse. <laughs> and her husband was standing there. And she said, Stephen, Stephen, can you see them? He went, no, honey, I don't see them. They're gone. Praise Jesus. Yeah. Hey, I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. Dylan actually stole my sermon today. He and I are going to have a talk later. But I love him. And if you love him, I want you to stand up with me and just give him a shout of praise. Would you right now? Would you right now? He's the God that dissolves tumors. He's the God that heals hearts. He's the God that restores whole cities. Amen. How could you not love him? How could you not love him? Wow. You know, when I first came in the sanctuary, the word yes was written up here. Anybody else see that? I love that word. I love that word. That word changed my life. Back in the day, our ministry was just say yes. That was the name of it. It changed our lives, my wife and I. You know, God is so good. He took us out of darkness. I love that song. What does it say? Um, you took me did I write it? Oh, out of darkness into your glorious day. Come on. How many people can relate to that? Him taking you out of darkness into your glorious day. Now, the name of this sermon is Transformation. Yeah, let's put hands on this lady right now. I don't know what it is, but she's needing, but she's needing something here. Whoa, come on. Come on, Jesus. Yes. More, God. More, more, more. And I don't know if it's a healing that you need. I'm not sure what it is. But Travis, just pray over her. Just release Holy Spirit over her. Yes. And the gentleman next to her, Rennie, you got him. Just release that over them right now. Something's happening right now. Something's happening. We'll, we'll find out a, <laughs> in a little bit what's going on there. But thank you, Lord. Now, that lady that I told you about with the tumors, um, I like to get, I like, my faith isn't weak, don't get me wrong, but I like to get doctor's um, examinations and we're back from the doctor <clears throat> about these things. 
And uh, I know she saw the doctor, uh, I think it was Thursday, so we're still waiting for her to get back to us on that. But I, I mean, the tumors disappeared. I mean, she couldn't feel them. Her husband couldn't see them. Now, that's faith enough for me, I'm telling you. But that's all God, and that's what he, that's what he does. That's who he is. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm sorry, I'm getting way off, guys. I've got two sermons tonight. Double hitter. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> I've been working on a sermon for like three days. And about 3.15 this afternoon, God dropped another bomb on me. What? I mean, he's done that. He, our church in Southern California, he gave me a word while I'm driving to church. No, preach this, Jim. Not that. Preach this. Okay. Well, I'm not going to preach the second one because I prayed on it. And he said, okay. You just give them a synopsis. That's fine. How many people here know that we're about revival? How many people here know why we're about revival? Because we've seen it. And we know what happens when revival comes. There's personal revival. There's regional, citywide, regional revival. But I truly believe in my heart that this world is hungry for revival. I believe that revival is going to spread across the world. But you know what? We need to be unified. The bride needs to be unified. God has spoken that to me, and he's spoken it to two, three, four other people that I know. That he will release his presence over the world when the bride can come together in unity. Amen? No more white church. No more black church. No more Korean church. No more Latino church. But the bride unified under the banner of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I'm not saying there should never be a Korean church. I love their flavor. I love how they worship. Have you ever been to Korea? Those folks are crazy. They love God. I got a Korean brother here right now. <laughs> they love God. I don't want to change that. Not at all. But there's got to be unity between us. It makes sense, guys? Revival changes everything. My personal revival changed my life. Joaquin told you the testimony about he and, and Jahi, how they got transformed at a David Hogan meeting. They had personal revival. My wife and I got transformed, personal revival. I was on a mountaintop when he hit me, threw me down to the ground. Took me somewhere else for almost a month. Literally, 28 days. I couldn't drive. I hardly ate. I saw him, and I felt him, and I felt glory. I was in the glory realm for weeks. I've got a master's in psychology, so I know I wasn't brainwashed. I was loved-washed. Our language cleaned up. A bunch of other stuff, too, that we did cleaned up. We were transformed through the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's not that we just love jumping up and down and screaming for, 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 for Jesus, for God, for more God, uh, hugging rugs and so forth and so on because he's just looking for a thrill. No, we know that when he comes and he comes in power, it changes us. It changes everything. Cass, my daughter-in-law, did a little research for me today. There was a film came out, the transformation film. Anybody ever seen it years ago? It talked about him in California, which was the meth capital of California. And a, a preacher came there, and all he did was release the pure gospel. 
That's all he did. It wasn't fancy. He just told the truth. He just told the truth. And the city began to be transformed. All of the gangsters and so forth ran out of town. It, it, it changed him in California from the drug capital, the meth capital of the world, to a, a town that had been totally transformed by Holy Spirit. There's so many others I can tell you about. There's a town in, in, in uh, Guatemala whose name I couldn't pronounce if you paid me. But um, crime-ridden, um, just um, drugs, alcohol, so forth and so on. Holy Spirit hit them. To make a long story short, it transformed that city to where they closed the jails and they turned them into churches. Alcohol was not sold again in that town ever. And it even affected their crops. They became so bountiful. And so I've seen pictures of them. I mean, pumpkins like this. Carrots as long as your leg. It was crazy. They would truck them out of town in big old trucks because they had an abundance. You guys all know about the Welsh revival. But it, 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 it basically transformed an entire country. You know about Azusa Street. They traced 600 million people whose roots of their denomination can be traced back to Azusa Street. Revival changes everything. It's just not for a thrill. That's why we're so sold out on revival, because it changes everything. Amen? Let's get to the real sermon. We're going to talk about transformation. Like I said, God transformed me. He transformed my entire city. You know, he, he loves doing that. He just loves redeeming people and things and cities and towns and countries and nations. He loves redeeming them. You know what? And we, the Bible is full of that, but guess what? He still likes to do it now. He will do it now. And Dylan had a good word about transformation. He asked if people wanted personal transformation to come forward. Okay, and we're going to do that again. Okay, we're going to do it again. Because as he was walking out and I was talking to him about it, he said, Jim, it wasn't enough. There's more. There's a lot more that can be done. Amen? He loves the broken. He loves the forgotten. He loves the fugitive. There's nothing that he loves more than turning someone's life around. To pull them out of darkness into his glorious day. Amen? There's nothing he loves more. Do you know God is the God of second chances? Do you know he's the God of three chances? Four chances? That's right. Five chances. He will never give up on you. I'm going to tell you a story about my life a little bit later. We have time to it. But he will never give up on you because I've experienced it personally. I can stand here with total confidence and tell you, because if he didn't give up on me, he won't give up on you. Amen? Anybody ever heard of a man named Moses? I mean, he lived 1,350 years ago, but you heard of him? You know, Moses was a, a Hebrew, but you, all, you guys all know he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, and he was raised as a prince. Amen? He had all the privileges of being a prince. But one day, he was walking amongst the Hebrew people who were slaves, and he saw an injustice being done. He saw an overseer beating a couple of his fellow countrymen. And in his outrage, he killed that overseer. As a result of that, 
He lost all of his privileges. And he was hunted. He was a fugitive for 40 years. Amen. Until one day, he was out tending the sheep. And he looked up and saw a fire. It's like, wow, what is that about? Can you imagine being out in the field and you, you, you're attending sheep or whatever and you see a bush burning and you walk up to it and it starts talking to you? It says, take your shoes off. <laughs> you're on holy ground. Well, I think a lot of us, including me, would have been like, uh-uh, I ain't taking my shoes off. I'm leaving here. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know what this is about, a bush that's burning that's, that's talking to me? I don't know. I don't know what that's about. But that experience, that experience was a transformational experience for Moses. He said yes, and it transformed him. Through that act of saying yes and that transformation, Moses was given authority. He was given an anointing. Amen? And with that transformation, through that transformation, through that anointing, Moses was able to lead his people Israel out of bondage. Amen? We're talking about, I mean, they, they only counted the, the, the men at the time, but I'm thinking it's got to be towards 2 million people were freed because one man said yes. I want you to picture that. You're up in a helicopter, right? And suddenly you look down, and there's two million people walking out of Egypt. I think that would grab your attention, amen? It certainly would grab my attention. Two million people from a man who stuttered, did not believe in himself, refused God at first. He argued with him. I don't speak well, I stutter, I can't do this. But through the power of yes, through him saying yes to God and God's plan, he became savior of a nation. Amen? Let's move on about 350 years, 1000 B.C. to David. Now, when Samuel came to Jesse's house, looking forward, because the Lord told him to go to Jesse and that he would point out one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. When Jesse came, I mean, sorry, when, uh, when Samuel came to Jesse's house, David was out in the field tending the sheep. Now, now the, the accounts vary. Some say Jesse had eight sons. Some say he had seven, depending on which book of the Bible you're in. But Jesse lined up all his sons. Imagine that. Imagine that. You're a father, and you got all these sons, and someone comes to you and says, one of your sons is going to be king. Whoa. That's a happy day. Amen? So he lined up all his sons, all of them. Okay? And Jesse went down and looked at him. And the first one he saw... Eliab, he said to God, well, this has got to be the one because he was big, he was strong, he was handsome. He looked like the way a king should look. And let me read something. For, now, i got to make this meeting legal, so I need to read something from the Bible, okay? We need to go, yeah, we need to go to the Bible. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. This is 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7, by the way. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Amen. How redeeming is that passage? 
Come on, how redeeming is that passage? If God looked at my outward self and the things I have done, I would go to hell probably. But the Lord looks at our hearts. Amen? Say hearts. He looks at our hearts. And he refused Eliab. Now, David wasn't even lined up because he was the youngest of them all. And I'm sure Jesse was thinking, there's no way he's going to choose David. He's just a kid. There's no way he's going to choose David. But the Lord told Samuel that there were these, that these seven or six or how many were weren't the ones he said, don't you have another son? And Jesse said, well, I, I, I do have David. He was out in the fields. So Samuel said, well, go get him. Bring him in. And when he, as soon as David walked in, the Lord said to Samuel, that's the one. I don't know if you guys are getting the significance of that. The big, strong, handsome guy who looked like a king, the Lord said, no. The young kid who was out there tending the fields, God said yes to. Amen? That means that any one of us, God can say yes to. I don't know if Moses was a handsome guy or not. I kind of doubt it. <laughs> after, all, after all, he was 80 years old. And God said, Moses, you're the one. Don't discount yourself, guys, because you think that you don't fit the bill. I'll repeat that. Do not discount yourself because you think you don't fit the bill. I'm not as eloquent as Billy Graham. Okay? I don't have a million followers on Facebook. God couldn't possibly use me. Wrong. Wrong. God can use you because God, well, he's God. Enough said. He can choose anybody he wants. Amen? But what's the key? What's the secret? Yes. Yes. Because if you say no, Guess what? He's going to move on to the next one. I think God has infinite resources. I believe he does. I believe he has infinite resources. So if you say no, he's got other people in line that he will go to. But the secret is to say yes. So David was anointed that day. Just forgotten little shepherd boy out in the fields that his own father didn't even bring in for consideration. He got anointed that day. He went on and faced Goliath. You guys all know the story. He killed the unrighteous enemy. And though David sinned more than once, especially with Bathsheba and her husband, God still said of David what? He's a man after my own heart. Why? Because he had a covenant with David. Amen? So, he chooses you. You mess up. You make a mistake. Is it over? No. Do you correct your heart and you come back before him? And he is still there. He is a covenant God. Amen? <laughs> Are you guys bored? Oh, about 10 of you aren't. That's good. So David went on and he united Israel. Okay? He, he, uh, he brought Israel together as, as one nation. Let's move on to Saul or Paul. As you all know, Saul was the persecutor of the faith. Saul was responsible for many acts against the believers. 
Saul persecuted the church. He asked for permission to persecute the church. He wanted to go all over the land and root them out, believers, wherever they were. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He believed in God, but he did not accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But guess what? He was chosen, just like David was chosen. So David was way out in the fields, go get him, bring him here. He chose Saul. Why? I don't know, because he's God. I'm not. But he chose Saul. You imagine riding along on your donkey? Mind your own business. Come on, boys, keep up. Keep up with me. Come on. We got to get over here and do this and persecute these, these uh, believers. And suddenly, bam, you find yourself on the ground. What the heck? Why did you guys kick me? Where did that come from? On top of that, you can't see. You're blind. And then a voice comes. Saul. Saul. Why do you persecute my people? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I wish I'd been one of those guys with him because they couldn't hear it, though. But they could see it. Why do you kick against the ghost? Saul. You think that would change your life? Come on. You think that would change your life? To get knocked down? Off your donkey? Blind, and you hear the very voice of God? Yeah, I think that would change your life. Saul was not a stupid man. He said yes. But he still, I believe, that part of his transformation was when Ananias came and prayed for him, and the scales fell from his eyes. Amen? He went from being... Spiritually blind to now I see. Amen. <laughs> Transformed. Went from persecutor of the people to leader of the people. That's a pretty big turnaround, guys. A pretty big turnaround. That's why I'm praying for Elon Musk to walk through that door one day. Elon Musk to walk through that door one day and be transformed. Can you imagine the ramifications of that? He can do it. God can do it. Matter of fact, some people have prophesied that. Him coming to Austin means that we're going to get him. Your days are numbered, Elon. We're going to get you, brother. And you're going to build a spaceship just for us a week? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish. I know my family being born. Eddie probably be piloting the thing. <laughs> the Apostle Paul went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament from a guy who was trying to destroy the New Testament church. Okay, I'm going to let that sink in a little bit. <laughs> he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and only a couple of days earlier, well, he didn't write them all in one day. But anyway, a couple of days earlier, he was trying to destroy those very people. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. People, I'm telling you, if he could turn around Saul and make him into Paul, he can do that for you. He can do that for you. He can do it for any of you. I'm talking about a hardcore case that didn't stand a chance against the glory of Jesus Christ. When that glory fell on him, he was done. He was cooked. It was all over. Man, are y'all getting this? I hope so. I hope I'm doing a good job here. But you guys are getting this, man. 
So that takes me to my brother Peter. Peter was all about Jesus. He followed him for three plus years. Did everything he was told to do. Okay. Jesus called him the rock. Upon you I will build my church. Amen. Jesus, I will never forsake you. I will never turn my back on you. Never going to happen. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Now, he had a covenant with Peter. Peter had a covenant with him. He followed him for years. Gave up everything. Gave up everything. There was a covenant relationship there. So, but what happened? Peter's flesh took over. And when Jesus was before the Sanhedrin, and he had to go before the rulers of Israel, the patriarchs and all that, he had to go before them, and Peter was standing outside, and a servant girl said, hey, aren't you one of them? Aren't you one of them? I think you are. I've seen you with them. No, not me. I don't, I don't know that man. Matter of fact, the scripture said he actually cursed right then. I think he dropped a couple of F-bombs right then. <laughs> Sorry, Jahi. My son's covering his eyes. <laughs> He's covering his face. <laughs> you know your father, son. <laughs> yeah, he was very adamant. It wasn't just no, no. He, he was adamant. More than once. He was approached. No, I don't know him. I have no, no. What are you talking about? No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm from the same region, but, you know, I don't know this guy. You think I know everybody in town? <laughs> and so what happened, of course, we all know the story. We know that Jesus was crucified for us. And Peter was completely destroyed and distraught. He was so ashamed of himself. I, I don't know what Peter might have actually done. I really don't. But he was totally destroyed and distraught and so disappointed in himself. But what did God do? God totally restored him. He came from the grave and met Peter on the banks of the river. Say, Peter, do you love me? Restoration. Peter, do you love me? Transformation. Peter, do you love me? Will you tend my sheep? Anointing. Authority. He restored him completely. So I've gone back over 3,000 years up to a little over 2,000 years ago. So, no, actually I've gone back 5,500 years to today. God is still doing this. Peter got up and was completely restored, guys, and led the church. His destiny was reestablished. The devil brought his flesh up. He denied Christ. His destiny was eradicated then. Not really. It was still there, but it's just a lie was covering it. Amen? A lie that he was less than. A lie that many of us still carry today, that I'm less than. You know, my wife and I, we, we, we uh, direct the Transformation Center here. I can't tell you how many people we get just in one week that have come in and have no idea who they are. Their identity in Christ. They believe a lie. Much of our work is destroying lies. That's the devil's only tool is lies and fear. Jim, you can't preach. 
You can't get up. I remember the first time I preached 20-some years ago. <laughs> My knees were knocking so bad. Matter of fact, they're still knocking. You just can't see it, but they're still knocking. <laughs> and <laughs> the, uh, the devil just said, Jim, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? I went, that's who I am. I'm God's man. If he says get up and preach, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach with all my heart. But not get in my way, devil. Lies is what he has. That's what he operates. That's his coinage. It's lies and fear. Amen? So Peter, his destiny was covered up in a lie. You denied Christ. You are no good. You are completely disqualified from any ministry ever. And Jesus came and said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Will you tend to my sheep? He totally restored him. And he became the leader of the new church. Amen? The power of transformation of Christ is absolutely amazing. You know, David could have thought he was disqualified when he had Bathsheba's husband killed, set him up, when he committed adultery with her. I can just keep going back. Moses almost got killed because he didn't, he didn't um, circumcise his son. God came to kill him. And his wife saved him. All those instances could have made them not reach their, their destiny. Because of the lie that follows that. But by the grace of God, they were able to overcome that. Amen? Amen. I asked you earlier, have you ever heard of a man that existed 3,000 years ago? And you said, yes. Why? Because he became a world changer. Everybody's heard of King David, 1000 B.C. Why? Because he became a world changer. Everybody's heard of Saul or Paul. Why? He was transformed and became a world changer. There are world changers sitting in every one of these chairs here tonight. You are world changers. You have to believe it. And you have to do what? Say what? And you can change the world. And that might mean a transformation in your family. A raising of godly children. Who will change the world. Oh, shakarabashinkamana. It could mean volunteering at our homeless ministry and your destiny can be to lay hands on some homeless people that would change the world. I was reading a story today about a homeless man that became mayor of his town. I was also reading yesterday with this, this lady, I don't remember her name now, she had a big headline, she says, what the world really, really needs now, what we're, she, she was desperate for, is revival. She wasn't from Bethel. I never heard of her. But that was her statement. But the world needs now is revival. Revival. Do you see now why we're so passionate about revival? Because revival transforms. As revivalists, we don't succumb to atmospheres. We change atmospheres. When we walk into the room and the Holy Spirit is on our shoulders, Hallelujah. if you've never been on a mission trip, you should go and see what happens. We were in Uganda. I had a pretty good-sized team. We had split up and so forth and so on. Both teams <laughs> experienced when they walked into a village the witch doctors and the witches looked and got up and ran. 
we didn't release a word. Got up literally and saw them and ran. One village I had 11 Muslims come to Christ before lunch. 11. There was a hardcore motorcycle gang. They told me not to go do anything with them. I walked into the midst of them and just released the simple truth, and they were crying. <laughs> the power of Christ, guys, the simple gospel is what the world needs. And you carry it. You have it. But you have to say yes. And you have to release it. You have no idea the ramifications that might have in the future. I think it was Jahiz, maybe earlier, said something about, he, oh, yeah, giving the Bible, whatever. He might become the next Billy Graham. You don't know. You have no idea. But if that's your destiny, say yes to it and do it. Amen? Do we have time? You guys doing Okay. So, lefty church, you know, my writing is atrocious. I made a covenant with God when I was a little kid. I got baptized. I told him I loved him. Please come to my life. I love you. And so forth and so on. And it was, I was pretty young. I guess I was maybe six or seven years old. And um, I was an avid church goer. I I involved myself in everything the church had. Um, I was president of Sunday school. I was a Baptist, president of the Baptist training union, the head junior usher, and you name it. I was the most decorated Boy Scout the church had ever had. You name it, I did it. If it was church sponsored, I was there. Amen? But the church let me down because I didn't see it. I was going after it hard, but I didn't see the Bible unfolding. I didn't see it. I heard a lot of great sermons. Beautiful. Reverend Thomas was anointed. He could preach his honey off. But Monday through Saturday, I didn't see it. Those same hallelujah, hallelujah, God is good. Oh, man, like buying stolen property and drinking and I don't know if you guys know what this is, but playing the numbers and all that stuff, man. I lived across the street from the biggest numbers. He probably was one of the biggest numbers runners in the city. And I used to walk into his house, and he'd have stacks of cash up on his dining room table like that. And he'd have, he had a china cabinet that had no dishes in it, just full of cash. Right? That's the environment we lived in, right? So I said, this ain't Jesus. Where is he? I see the guys with the power, the pimps and the... And, and the gangsters. Right? So I left. I left the church. I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. I ran errands for, for that numbers runner. I did a lot of stuff. I won't list it all. A lot of stuff. <clears throat> and I also went to martial arts. That became my church. Because I was a skinny kid. got pushed around a lot. Lunch money taken and all that stuff. And I said, well, that's enough of this. So I got into martial arts and discovered that um, I was tougher than I thought. And a punch wasn't going to break me, you know. Changed my life. Turns to the streets, anyway. So, eventually, fast forward, I was in a jail cell. By myself, all my partners had been sent back to the penitentiary because all those guys had committed crimes in, in Folsom and in San Quentin. And so they were, we were all in the bad boy block. The guys they didn't trust to be with the rest of the inmates. And they all got transferred back. So I'm sitting in the jail cell, by, I mean, in that particular cell by myself. And the trustee, trusted trustee, I loved this guy. He, he had just literally saved my life a day or two earlier. He was the librarian, and he came by with a cart, and he said, um, yeah, man, I know you like cowboy books. Louis L'Amour. He said, save one for you. Because by the time he got to me, there was two books left in the cart. I mean, we were in the dregs, guys. We were in the dungeons, you know. So by the time he got to me, he had two books left. 
And he said, yeah, this Louis L'Amour book I saved for you. I said, oh, great. And I picked it up, and then I saw, at the corner of my eye, I saw a book on meditation. I said, well, man, if I'm going to be in here the rest of my life, I need to do something to improve myself, <laughs> you know? And I don't think there was a Bible in the whole place, I don't think. So I put Louis L'Amour back and picked up the meditation book. And I started reading it, and I started meditating. And I remember the thought crossed my mind, wow, this is a lot like when you used to pray when you were a kid. I said, yeah, I'm going down to some deep states here, and it really felt this peace come over me. And the third day of doing that, I heard a voice. And I looked up, opened my eyes, there was nobody there. So I went back, I heard the voice again. It's like, then I realized it wasn't an audio, audible voice. It was coming from inside me, but it wasn't me. And the voice kept saying to me, you're getting out. And I went, what? You're getting out. And I went, do you know the charges I have on me? Kept saying, you're getting out. I went, how? You're getting out. It's like, <laughs> that's all the, this voice knew how to say, right? And finally I said, why? And the voice said, because we're not done with you yet. We're not done with you yet. <laughs> Destiny. Covenant. Three days later, I was walking out of there with the feds. They didn't drop the charges on me, but they said, we'll bring you back if we want to. Released over to the state of California, to a prison there, facing some pretty heavy charges. Went before a superior court judge, and the judge read my charge, and he started laughing. That's pretty serious stuff here. What are you laughing at? About, I didn't say that to him. He said, Evans, if I reduce your charges to misdemeanor disturbing the peace, will you plead guilty? Yes, Your Honor, I am guilty. I am so guilty. <laughs> misdemeanor? Yes, Lord. I am guilty. You can give me two of them. I mean, literally, if I could have levitated out of the road, both hands and both feet. <laughs> Only God. Only God, guys. I'm kind of ashamed to tell you the charges I had on me, but two of them carried the death penalty. <laughs> Misdemeanor disturbing the peace. <laughs> I still can't believe it. The next day, I'm out on the freeway. This is in Oakland. Well, in the East Bay. And a T-shirt that's about three sizes too small for me because I've been buffing up in there. <laughs> With a big afro. <laughs> this tiny T-shirt. <laughs> and guess what? I actually got picked up. By two really pretty young ladies. It's like, Lord, what? yeah, okay. Man, you got a sense of humor. Anyway. Anyway. God is good. Amen. So later on, I had a visitation from the Holy Spirit. I gotten real sick, and my wife took me away to a hotel um, to give me some R&R. And so she deposited me in there, and I was laying across the bed, and she left to get some food, and guess who walked in the room? Holy Spirit walked in the room. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, you know, Jim, you, you thought you left us, but we never left you. Covenant. He said, you know, when you were in that house, but that bomb went off and you didn't get a scratch on you. That was me protecting you. 
later on, the fellow who made that bomb, he was in another experience where the bomb went off, and there was nothing left of him. Tommy. He said, I protected you. I covered you. He said, that bullet, remember that bullet that just missed you? You thought it was just a bad shot? He said, I curved it. Covenant. We're not done with you yet. You got stuff to do. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Walk into your destiny. You got stuff to do, brother. Say this with me. I've got stuff to do. Wake up. Repeat that. Wake up. Cast off the lies that you're not good enough. Cast off the lies that you're forgotten. Cast off the lies like David was, that you're the least of the least. Cast off the lies that you're fugitives. There's a brother in here. I don't see him here tonight. But he was facing 500 years in the penitentiary. I heard when I went over to Huntsville to, to preach, I heard about him. He's in our church. 500 years. By the grace of God, he's out. And running uh, um, like a house for trafficking, women that are being trafficked, coming out of prison. Uh huh. He's running. That's his destiny. Amen. I'm only telling you this. I'm not trying to glorify me. I'm not trying to glorify my brother. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm telling you that God is true and real. And he will redeem you from whatever darkness you're in. I'm old. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen him take people out of the darkest pit. The deepest hole. I've seen it and raised them up into their destinies. Can I get uh, someone to come up on the piano maybe or get rusty on that bass? I want to tell you tonight that if you feel like you're being influenced by a lie, if you feel less than, that God couldn't possibly use you, I want you to come up front. If you feel like you're in a darkness, or even if you have a friend that you've been praying for, that you've been praying for, I want you to come up front. Because we want to pray over you. We want to release freedom over you. And we want to dispel the darkness. Now, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but this is your opportunity. This is your chance to break off lies, okay, and to come forward and to be blessed by the Holy Spirit. Oh, let's give this young lady a big hand. Yes, this brave young lady. Let's give this lady a big hand. And this one here, thank you. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for stepping forward. Now, earlier I said that I felt like God was healing. And I really do feel like if you have some sort of tumor, I want you to check your body. Because I think God is healing right now. We've called out arthritis many times. But I want you to, I want to, I want you to test your body right now. Because I really believe he's breaking off arthritis right now on people. I really do. If you have a problem with your jaw, tendonitis, what, uh, tendonitis whatever it might be, I want you to test that because I think he's bringing healing right now. If you have any problems with your hearing, test it right now. Test it. Because God is bringing healing into the room right now. Amen? God is bringing healing into the room right now. I just, can you folks come over this way? 
Can you come over this way again? Yes. I just want to pray of you right now that you are not less than. That God can and he will use you to change the world. If you just will say, yes, Lord, I will do it. I don't care what it is you ask me. It can seem impossible. I'm an impossibility. It can seem impossible. But if you say yes, he will use each and every one of you. Right now, just repeat after me. I say yes to you, Lord. I say yes to you, Lord. I ask you to break off every lie that the enemy has placed on me. And I say to you, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I say yes, and I will. Repeat it again. I say yes, and I will. Nothing is impossible with God, people. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible with God. This is the person who created the stars. He created the universes. He put life into motion. If he can do all that, he can heal your knees. He can open your ears. And partnering with him, partnering with him, you, young lady, right in front of me right here, you can change the world. Amen? You can change the world. Amen? There was a young man named Evan Roberts back in 1904. He had been in ministry school, I think, a couple of weeks, a month, and God called him out and said, I want you to go, and I want you to preach the gospel. And he said, yes, Lord, and he did. And guess what? A revival broke out. It's called the Welsh Revival, 1904. They estimate that upward to 250,000 people in a small little country invaded the churches in the city because God spoke to them. And they had a personal encounter with God. Now, those are the ones that were counted in the city churches. They have no idea how many joined the, the churches out in the countryside. Until the entire country had been transformed. Crime vanished. Half the jails were closed. Police officers formed quartets and went out singing in the street because they had nothing else to do. There were coal miners and production stopped for a while because their language cleared up and the mules were so used to getting cursed at the mules didn't understand them. So, <laughs> so the mules wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't follow commands. Because they, well, what is he saying? I don't know. I don't know. Sounds like English, but I'm not sure what he's saying. That's how profound it was. That it, it made newspapers all over the world. China, Africa, the rest of Europe, the U.S. It hit newspapers all over what was going on in this tiny little country of Wales. You can change the world. Just say yes. Evan Roberts said yes. Amen. Can we all just right now say yes and amen. Thank you, folks. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. I appreciate the time.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.